It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services, or maybe you just don't like scrolling through your phone, you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. It'll take you right to the most recent episode, and you don't have to lift a finger. And today, we're going to spend most of the show talking about the San Francisco 49ers, previewing them, talking about what the Vikings have to do to beat them, and how they might approach such a difficult enemy here. The the Niners are stacked with elite players. But first... A quick little bit more of a meta announcement. This show has made it to the iTunes top top 200 for sports. The Spotify top 100. It's number 26 of all football podcasts on iTunes. And I I just wanted to say thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much to new listeners. I know there are a bunch of you new listeners because of uh, the, the charting status of the show as well as just the playoff win. You know, a lot of people tune in. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you stick around. And thank you old listeners who have been around all season, and especially listeners who have been around since the offseason and the 90-man series and all the draft stuff and stuff. And if you are a new listener, then uh, know that this show, whenever the offseason starts... Don't want to presume about that, but whenever it does start, this show does not slow down. We will continue to do four shows a week throughout the offseason. That's all of January and February and free agency and extension talks, especially with Kirk Cousins, and all the way into and through the draft, even in the summer, we'll come up with uh, certain talkers, like more abstract concepts, like does the running game matter? Do you have to run to set up play action? What are the most important positions to value? Very interesting stuff that you don't really get another chance to talk about in earnest because there's always something more pressing going on at the immediate moment. We usually take the summer to talk about all that stuff, but there will be four shows a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the whole offseason, so I hope that whenever that offseason starts, you stick around for it. So with that out of the way, let's talk about a little bit of news. The thing that I want to start with is the Kevin Stefanski situation. Obviously, he is slated to interview on Thursday for the Cleveland Browns head coaching job. They are also interviewing like Jim Schwartz and Josh McDaniels and Brian Dable and Robert Slay from our opponent, the San Francisco 49ers. So it's a crowded field, but Kevin Stefanski is a part of it. And Josina Anderson reported late on Wednesday night that there was a vibe coming out of the Cleveland locker room pertinent to Stefanski. I thought I'd report it. That Uh, There are a lot of players in the Cleveland locker room who would be excited to play for Kevin Stefanski, who are excited about the offense that he's running in Minnesota. However, there are dissenting voices in Cleveland that say, hey, but what about Gary Kubiak's influence? And would we get the same thing if Kubiak doesn't come with? And also, you know, how much the offense has hinged on Dalvin Cook's health and how there has been kind of a correlation between the games when Dalvin Cook can't play and suddenly the run game dries up. That happened against Green. Bay, and I think that there is a little bit of a reputation for Stefanski's offense that might be hurting him in this particular discussion, and that turns out to be a fine thing for the Vikings because they get to keep continuity if the Browns go elsewhere. Something to keep an eye on. 
In practice on Wednesday, Adam Thielen was notably listed as limited, and it turns out that that's because he was a full participant until he suffered an ankle injury. We'll find out more on the Thursday's on the Thursday practice report, which is the final practice report because it's a short week. They play on Saturday. Whether or not that is the kind of thing that we should be worried about uh, if he should sit out on Saturday in, in Saturday's game, if he's going to be able to play or not, that a lot of that will be hinted at whether or not he practices on Thursday. Elsewhere in the injury report, uh, Linval Joseph, who was an estimated DNP for the Tuesday simulated practice, was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. That's a great sign. However, Jaron Curse and Stefan Diggs both did not participate. Jaron Curse is nursing both a toe and a knee injury, and Stefan Diggs is still dealing with the illness. He posted on his Instagram a picture of him hooked up to a lot of IVs, which may be scary. However, that's standard practice when a player gets sick during a week of a game. They hook him up to IVs and they pump him full of fluids to try to get him well as quickly as possible. Considering the way that the illness-plagued Vikings went last week, which is to say they all played and they played fine, it is likely that Diggs plays through this game, and we'll have to see what the situation is with Adam Thielen. All of this being said, however, it may seem like a daunting number of injuries, you know, a long, long list, but for January, it's probably above average. The Vikings are are healthier than you could ever expect. They have a relatively short IR list. For reference, the 49ers list of players on IR is over twice as long, even though their entire current 53 appears to be healthy right now. That current 53 is not the intended 53 going into the season, and it never is. So even if they lose Adam Thielen and Jaron Curse, they're still a lot healthier than you could usually expect to be at this point in the season, and it wouldn't really work out as an excuse for a poor performance on Saturday. So let's talk a little bit about Saturday's opponent and the fact that they are very scary. The 49ers are good. I mean, they're the one seed, right? They won 13 games this year. Of course they're good, but they are littered with superstars. Nick Bosa is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Fred Warner would have gotten all pro votes if I had a ballot. Richard Sherman has an argument for being the best cornerback in the league, and honestly, a better argument than I think anybody else. I really do think that he is the best cornerback in the league, at least for 2019. And that's just on defense. They have somebody who has an argument, unless you're a really big Travis Kelsey fan, of being the best tight end in the league. That's George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo has had an excellent season. They have Raheem Mostert, who has been having an extremely explosive stretch here as a relief relief running back. Jimmy Ward has played excellently at free safety, something that the Vikings typically try to attack. The 49ers have an incredibly formidable roster, and we've been in this point before, right? We've gone up against teams with formidable rosters. I think Dallas is probably the best example of a team with a formidable roster, but you can scheme them, right? Because they were kind of a poorly coached team, and you know Jason Garrett got fired, and now it's Mike McCarthy over there. And I think that had a lot to do with it because their roster was underperforming, but like they had good players everywhere. There isn't like a buster screen here that you can just like go and attack. But the thing is, on top of all of this talent, their head coach is Kyle Shanahan, noted offensive whiz and somebody who is running the exact same scheme that the Vikings are running. Somebody that we actually, in previewing the Saints game, we turned to what Kyle Shanahan did against those Saints for guidance. Now, the Vikings, for guidance against the Saints, turned to the Falcons, who actually uh, played a really good game up the interior, and that gave Zimmer the inspiration to move Griffin and Hunter inside, and a lot of people are expecting the Vikings to do the same, and I actually think that that would work out. So in just a minute, we'll talk about how the Vikings match up with all of these superstars 
and how they can possibly find a way around this juggernaut team. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. FYI, your ads could actually go in this podcast if you're a Minnesota-based company or even if you aren't and you want to advertise on this show or any Locked On show, just send an email to LockedOnPodcasts at gmail.com and they will get you all set up. Okay, so let's start by talking about that vaunted 49ers defense and just some of the players on it because there are just some like gaudy stats here that need to be covered for you to truly get the idea of what the Vikings are up against. So let's start on the defensive line. Obviously, Nick Bosa is a defensive player of the year candidate. He has been this unbelievably disruptive force. He took his college momentum and and just like carried it right into the NFL without skipping a beat. He is probably locked down defensive rookie of the year, and he is in the running for defensive player of the year. But aside from him, DeForest Buckner is an interior rusher. And, you know, the, the Vikings haven't had a ton of trouble with, like, elite edge rushers, right? They had a little bit of trouble with Khalil Mack, who doesn't. But the, the real big, like, pressure issues they've had this year have come from, like, Grady Jarrett and Kenny Clark and Chris Jones, all interior guys. And the Vikings and the Vikings are going to face uh DeForest Buckner this week who is in terms of pressure generation about on par with all of the guys that I just mentioned and that is a huge problem in addition to like Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa who are eating up your tackles. Uh he has generated DeForest Buckner has 55 pressures on the year. In the regular season that is about on the same clip as Sheldon Richardson generated last year, and he had a really good year of pressure generation. So just to give you some context, he's he's been a good pressure generator in a defensive line surrounded by these edge rushers. And, and a lot of the reason that that works and a reason that it present, presents a challenge for the Vikings is that they have to find a way to slow him down, but they can't really use the tackles to do it, right? You need to use Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill to stop those elite edge rushers. And that's really difficult because, A, you kind of have to leave them one-on-one because of the demands of the interior pass rush, especially against an interior line like the Vikings. This is one of those times where Pat Elfline and Garrett Bradbury are going to end up one-on-one with DeForest Buckner a time or two, and you kind of have to hope they don't get smoked. And that's something that is probably going to happen. Like, you need them to step up in a way that we haven't seen them step up this year. This is what causes a concern and one of the factors that leads the Vikings to be a touchdown underdog. I don't know if there's really a good answer to this other than, like, having C.J. Ham chip 
or trying to just make sure he's double teamed every time. But if he rushes up like the B gap, you can't double team him with Riley Reef, right? If he rushes up the B gap, Pat Elfline is going to be solo responsible for him because all the 49ers would have to do is put like DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa on the same side of the field. And now you have DeForest Buckner one-on-one with a guard, which is exactly what they want and exactly what disadvantages the Vikings. So you have to either double team him or find a way to chip him or find a way to make sure that he isn't the one disrupting your play. And there's a cost to that. You probably have to sacrifice a pass rusher to do it or, you know, sacrifice a certain uh, portion of your route tree for that pass catcher. The, The most costless way, I guess, for me to mitigate this issue is to use like Dalvin Cook to chip him on the way out to running a route because then you don't actually sacrifice a whole pass rusher, right? Or pass catcher, right? Like if you have CJ Ham, he's one of your five eligible pass rushers on a play. And if he's staying in and blocking, you now only have four people who can run routes and your playbook is is, is limited from that. And that's kind of the disadvantage of going like max protect. And that's something the Vikings have done a lot. So they might actually do that and be okay with that cost, but that's the cost, right? So a potentially lower cost way of doing this, although you don't get quite as dedicated a protection, is say you send Dalvin Cook through the offensive line and he's going to turn around, he's going to run like a shallow curl route or something for a a triangle read type play. This is something that I've described before. It's a way to counter cover three, which the the 49ers run a lot of, but essentially it starts with a, uh, a route usually attacking the middle of the field about five yards deep, which will be between where the two linebackers are covering. And then if that doesn't work, you go to outside route concepts and that's where the triangle read comes in. The one on the inside and then usually two receivers on the outside, one, two, three, triangle. And so you can kind of sneak in a little bit of extra pass protection if you have Dalvin Cook kind of chip DeForest Buckner or whoever, sometimes it'll be Nick Bosa or whatever, you know, chip somebody on the way out and you can kind of mitigate protection issues by doing that. If you know you have Dalvin Cook come and hit somebody on the shoulder, hopefully it lets Pat Elfline or whoever you want to help out get the leverage that they need, get the positioning that they need to make that block and finish it, and hopefully they don't have to slow themselves down that much so that they can still be the first read on the play. Or maybe the second read and you have to adjust things a little bit, but you could kind of spread out that cost. That's the most costless way to do it. But the Vikings obviously have a tools built in for this, and that's play action and the rollout, right? DeForest Buckner might actually be less of a threat if he's more worried about the running game and he's more worried about being in a certain gap and, you know, playing a disciplined game than pinning his ears back and, and going at the quarterback. Obviously, staying out of third and long and other like obvious passing situations is going to be huge for this. The Vikings love to run on second and long. So second and long isn't so much of an issue there. However, because they run on second and long, they invite a lot of third and longs where it does become an issue. So that might not be that comforting. But much like the 49ers do, they can mitigate this with bootlegs and screens that will make the defensive line kind of back off a little bit or take advantage of that aggressiveness if they refuse to. And hopefully you have enough tools in your toolbox to kind of take advantage of that or at least stop it from taking over the game. This is truly the biggest mismatches, the the, the 49ers interior defensive line versus the Vikings interior offensive line. If we lose this game, this is probably the thing that the Vikings are going to take into the offseason most motivated to fix. It probably already is, to be honest, unless Mike Zimmer just wants another corner, which is also not a bad idea, but that's a discussion for another day. 
I wanted to talk about that a little bit more because we didn't get to it too much on Crossover Wednesday yesterday with uh, Brian Peacock. Uh, go listen to that. Again, apologies for the uh, audio quality stuff. I mentioned it in the description, uh, but there there was some feedback loop going on that caused some strange echoing. So uh, major apologies for that if we're playing the Packers or Seahawks next week. I know from Crossover Wednesdays from earlier in the season that uh, hopefully we won't be dealing with that. Otherwise, it's a cover three defense with very good cornerbacks, and that's a difficult thing to counter. There are certain things you can do to counter that and take their players out of the game, or at least make it not matter that they're good, and that's what you kind of have cover three beaters for, things that put players like Jimmy Ward in impossible situations, and, you know, good safeties are able to kind of straddle the line and be close enough to either route where they can jump either one and, you know, take away the concept, and he is very good at that, and, you know, so is Anthony Harris. But it also helps to have somebody like Richard Sherman, who currently, out of all playoff teams, and some of these stats even for the league, but out of all remaining playoff cornerbacks, Richard Sherman leads that group in yards allowed per cover snap, in passer rating when targeted, and in snaps between, on average, snaps between each reception allowed. So frequency of how often he he allows reception. He's the best one. That's the best corner. And so countering that is a really difficult thing to do. A lot of times it takes a lot of time, and so you need to open yourself up to pressure, and so all the stuff we just talked about comes into play there. But you can also try to mess with alignments a little bit, but there's a cost to that as well. If you want to line, you know, Adam Thielen in the slot up away from Richard Sherman, and then Diggs on the other side of the formation as well. Richard Sherman does stay on the offense's right side of the formation, so you can take advantage of that a little bit. But being able to only run routes over there, the defense can adapt to that very easily. Like you can put a bat, you can put Alexander Hollins or Laquan Treadwell over on Richard Sherman, but now you've kind of limited yourself to only a certain area of the field, and that puts you in a difficult situation. And by the way, the 49ers defense has been phenomenal here, so this is a problem that teams have struggled to solve. They do, they are playing Akilah Akilu- uh, Witherspoon on the other side, and he's somebody that is a little bit susceptible, and Diggs has gotten the better the better of Sherman in the past, especially in the last time the Vikings played the 49ers in 2018. So you can kind of see a, a little bit of an opening for the Vikings to be able to move the ball here, but I can tell you it's going to be a lot more difficult than it was against the Saints, and I could definitely see this game spiraling into one of those 50% pressure, the offense just couldn't get anywhere because Kirk Cousins had nowhere to go, and he, and he crumbled under all of that pressure, but it's like kind of his fault, but not really his fault. And I could totally see that being the narrative coming out of this game if the Vikings lose. The 49ers are kind of good at doing that to offenses. And even if the Vikings are able to move the ball on this vaunted 49ers defense, they'll still need to contend with that offense, which we will talk about in just a second. So the 49ers have a lot of weapons on their on their offensive side of the ball that shouldn't be overshadowed by the fact that they're a team that's been more defined by their defense this year. For one, Jimmy Garoppolo has been a very good quarterback. He hasn't been as good as Drew Brees. He hasn't been as good as Kirk Cousins, but he's. it's not like we're you know going up against Josh Allen or Brandon Allen or David Blau here. I mean, this guy has been very good, and he's been playing in a very similar system to the Vikings. If you're unfamiliar, this is the wide zone 
system where they use a lot of outside runs and a, a lot of even like swing passes and screens and stuff to set up particular bootleg action. If you set up wide ranging runs, then play action is a little bit more devastating when you bite on it. And then you can use a lot of play action and the, the 49ers are one of the more play action heavy teams in the league, just like the Vikings are, then, you know, you can get better equity off of that. And, and I mean, just think about it, right? If your play action fake is a run up the gut, the 49 or, you know, the, the linebacker might take a, a step or two up, but it's something you might be able to recover from. If you bite on play action on wide zone, you are running laterally to the wrong side of the field. And if all of the pass, passing patterns are going you know, across your face to the other side of the field, not only are you out of position, but you have momentum taking you further out of position. By the time you realize that you've been on play action, you have to stop your momentum, turn around, and get momentum going the other way, and it creates additional opportunities for separation. Now, unfortunately, somebody who's good at countering this, because the Vikings do this all the time too, is Fred Warner, who is the linebacker for the 49ers, and I know I already moved away from defense, but just know he's actually kind of my X factor for this game. He's somebody who could totally take over this game. He reminds me a lot of the way that Eric Kendricks plays. I, I He might be the best linebacker in the league uh, right now, NFC, AFC, what have you. He's He might be playing better than Eric Kendricks, and he's actually kind of a linchpin to this defense, so I don't want to let him go unmentioned. But back to the offense, uh, Raheem Mostert, obviously he's been very explosive, but really an issue that they present is with George Kittle, of course, you know, the, the superstar tight end, and the fact that he can often get himself in mismatches, it's pretty easy for the Niners to get him on a linebacker, and even if your linebacker is fast, like Anthony Barr or Eric Kendricks, George Kittle is going to be faster. He runs like a 4-5 or something, no linebacker is going to be able to keep up with that. So, that creates quite an issue. So what do you do against that? And to answer that, I need to explain a little bit about Mike Zimmer's defense. And I've explained this before on the podcast, but for the new listeners, they play a lot of match zones, right? And they played a ton of match against the the Saints. They've moved away from this in in recent weeks because it is a little bit outdated. I don't, know, I don't want to say outdated, but it's something that's been around a while. It's something that wasn't working very well for them, so they've moved away from it. But the Saints run a very old kind of uh, classic West Coast, and they execute it very well, and it works great for them, so why move away from it? But the Vikings, to counter it, went back to some of their older concepts as well, and it worked pretty well. So they played a ton of, of match cover three, and, and what pattern matching is or match zone, or, you know, there's a, a couple of different variations of that. But basically, instead of it being like man-to-man, where you line up and you say, okay, my job is uh, Debo Samuel, or my job is Emmanuel Sanders, and wherever he goes, I go, and my job is to cover him and make sure he doesn't catch it. Well, there's a lot of routes that are designed to to cover against that, right? Like, that's something that, that teams are used to seeing and used to scheming against versus zone coverage, also something that's around all the time where you say, I'm responsible for an area, you know, between the line of scrimmage and 10 yards deep from the numbers to the outside. That's my zone or to the sideline, right? Like that's my zone and that's what I'm, I'm responsible for. Match zone is kind of a, a diff, a change between those two where, or, or like it straddles the line where the rule is basically you take whoever is, you know, 
two receivers in from the most from the outermost receiver. And so you count them off and it kind of looks like man coverage, but it also uses zone coverage principles where you're kind of covering an area on the field. And the way they usually count it is they they count, you know, one, two, three from outside in. So the number one receiver is going to be the one on the furthest out. The number two receiver is the next guy in. The number three receiver is the next guy in. And that guy usually ends up being like a tight end or a running back. Um, and, and that's who you're responsible for covering. So that means if they switch places at any point, you know, in, in the route, if they say run like a scissors or if they run a switch concept where they'll, they'll cross each other's faces at the start of the, uh, of the play and then run a route from there. And it's meant to confuse the defense. Well, that means that the number one guy just became the number two guy and you have to be on it. And that's why switch concepts are popular in the NFL because they counter these particular concepts. So one of the disadvantages of this is that it kind of lets the offense dictate the matchups. And when you have a matchup nightmare guy like George Kittle, you can put that guy on whoever you want. And if you remember last year, the Rams, who run a similar scheme, kind of got the better of the Vikings defense. And a big reason for this was because those those rules for, you know, Anthony Barr would take the number three receiver. And Sean McVay said, okay, well, what if I make Cooper Cup the number three receiver and Anthony Barr has to carry him all the way down the field? They got a big giant touchdown off of that particular weakness. So Zimmer had to adjust the rules sometimes and essentially kept it so that if, you know, somebody goes all the way down the field, then Anthony Barr would pass him off to a safety, and that has worked out a lot better. It remains to be seen, though, if even those rules are exploitable, and if Kyle Shanahan, who, I mean, if anybody can do it, Kyle Shanahan can, and if if Kyle Shanahan can actually get that guy onto who he, you know, get George Kittle onto who he wants George Kittle to be matched up against. That might be Harrison Smith. If you could get George Kittle on like Anthony Harris, I think that's a favorable matchup for the 49ers just because of size. Or you could try to get him on Anthony Barr or Eric Kendricks on shorter routes. However, if you've encouraged them to not go deep with George Kittle, then you kind of already got a little bit of a win just based on scheme. And I don't know if that's something, if that's a cost that the 49ers will be willing to put up with. One particular answer the Vikings might have for this, and they do run this all the time, they, they've run this a couple times against the Saints even, uh, is called a poach adjustment, where uh, you have, or, or just like, you know, co- a poach coverage, where uh, you have somebody on one side of the formation actually be responsible for somebody on the other side of the formation, and it kind of is a way of disguising the look, or just a way of, you know, getting an extra guy on that side in coverage to help out with certain route concepts, and allow, you know, cornerbacks and linebackers to play more favorable leverages and be on an island less, and therefore be doing a little bit less guesswork. So say Harrison Smith lines up on the right, but the 49ers have three receivers on the left, you might have Harrison Smith responsible for the number three, so the innermost guy on that three receiver left side, but he'll line up on the right just to kind of trick the quarterback or, you know, provide a more disguised look. And you might even just have him responsible for the number three if the number three's route breaks inward. So that way you have a little bit less space for Harrison Smith to cover. He's still doing something in coverage. If he breaks out, somebody else might be responsible for that. But hopefully what you've done is you've, you know, differed enough from what the pre-snap look suggested, which was, hey, you know, like say you have 
a, a pre-snap look where it looks like Anthony Barr is going to be manned up against George Kittle because of pattern match rules. That's exactly what San Francisco wants, right? And so Jimmy Garoppolo will be enticed to throw that way. And then what you do is actually Harrison Smith is there and actually he's covering it if there's an in-breaking route and hey, maybe he's there and, and ready to undercut the route and pick it off and maybe you can get an interception that way. The 49ers have been ready and able to counter that kind of coverage before. However, it does seem to be, you know, a, a pretty good idea for neutralizing a guy like George Kittle. In terms of offensive line, the Vikings actually match up pretty well against the 49ers. Uh, you know, the the they are playing a backup center right now. Their starting center is on IR. And so if you have Linval Joseph two gap against the run, or that is to say, you know, be responsible for both A gaps. And what he's doing is reading the running back and he goes to whichever one the running back goes to if the running back goes up either of those those A gaps. Essentially, what that means is he's lining up directly over the center and he's going one-on-one with the center. If he can beat the center, he can blow up the play if the run is going behind that center. And that center is pretty small and might match up poorly with Linval Joseph. He's the kind of guy that's a more, you know, small, small, quick type, right? In that, that wide zone. I mean, think about Garrett Bradbury, who's famous for his size and strength issues. And, and that's the kind of, you know, they have the same kind of guy over there. So you can potentially take advantage of that with a guy like Linval Joseph. I actually like the way that Daniil Hunter matches up with Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey's had a great season, but I, I think that because Daniil Hunter is quick and explosive and, you know, he's not necessarily a, a, like just pin your ears back in bull rush type. He uses technique and quickness and explosiveness and strength. He uses all of the things in his toolbox. You might get a, an opportunity against Mike McGlinchey because it forces Mike McGlinchey to be perfect. And that's really what good football is, is force your opponent to be perfect. If they are perfect, well, you weren't going to beat that anyways. And if they aren't, you win. And that's hopefully what you can do against Mike McGlinchey and even Joe Staley, who has also had a very good season. He's still very much his Hall of Fame, Pro Bowl all the time self. Or maybe against, you know, Mike Person and... uh, guards that are not nearly as good as their tackles, you might be able to move Griffin and Hunter inside and have more success with that. I'm actually going to be really curious to see what the 49ers do on the other side to deal with that potential issue. It really wrecked the Saints. But all in all, with this 49ers team, I mean, they're a really well-coached, good team. They are, I mean, their defensive coordinator is getting head coaching gigs. Their, uh, their, their play caller, their head coach is still this like vaunted offensive play caller. The Vikings have good coaching on their side. I, I think that there's very little argument to be made against that at this point, but it is a, a difficult matchup. You know, there's a lot of strength on strength. There's a lot of Diggs versus Sherman going on. So hopefully that makes for an entertaining game. And for the national audience, that's really, really exciting for us as Vikings fans. That's nerve wracking, right? How are you going to attack this team? It seems like they're good against all the stuff that you're good against. They're not good against the stuff that you're bad against, which could be kind of disastrous, and that was what scared me with the Saints. The 49ers are just as scary, if not more so, but just kind of in a different way, and so it'll be interesting to see how the Vikings approach such a uniquely tailored foe to a strength-on-strength matchup. Did they just take that? Did they just say, okay, yeah, all right, digs on Sherman, and whoever wins, wins, you know, let's do this, or do they try to do something a little different and take advantage of the weaknesses that the 49ers have, however few those those may be. So that is going to do it for this episode and this week 
of Locked on Vikings. That's two 49ers preview episodes. Hopefully that takes you into Saturday with a decent idea of what is going to happen. Uh, Obviously, next week we will talk about the game for the Monday and Tuesday episodes, and then Thursday and Friday will either be about the NFC Championship or we will begin the offseason postmortem stuff if they lose. But I hope I'll be talking about the Packers or Seahawks on Wednesday and Thursday. Hope I get another crossover Wednesday. That would be very fun. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or you can just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all next week, and as always, Skull. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.